As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams gonna throw. One on one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's gonna take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Connor Barth. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And today, it is time to preview Carolina's game against the Virginia Tech Hokies, the first game for Carolina of the 2022 conference season. The Tar Heels will enter with a 3-1 and record. After a good start, first three games, they beat an App State team that I think a lot of people throughout the country thought the Tar Heels would fall to. But in the end, they fall to a Notre Dame team that was 1-2 and two and felt like an opportunity for Carolina to, one, pick up a rare win over Notre Dame, and two, get Carolina's first 4-0 start since 1997. Carolina falls short. And now they have to regroup against the Hokies, a team that they have not had a ton of success against. And we will tell you a little bit about that. But first, we are I, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what is going on with, I think, the element of this game that everybody is wondering the most about. And that is Hurricane Ian. It just, of course, ripped through the state of Florida. And uh, we hope that anybody, we, we know we probably have listeners uh, that have family members that live down there in the state of Florida. And we wish... You and your family the best. Um, we are. It's just devastating. I mean, this is some of the worst that I've seen from from all the years of of watching at home and seeing all the devastation. It's just terrible. So oh, we wish uh, anybody that's down in that area uh, the best during this difficult time. Um, but in terms of the effects that it could have for Carolina, now I think it is going to be a little bit of an unknown. The good news is, is I think when Carolina is playing the game, they are playing at 3.30, and it looks like the conditions are going to be better at 3.30 than they would have been if Carolina would have played a 12 o'clock game. Uh, as of right now, according to the Weather Channel, the expectation is that there is going to be rain in the morning with clearing in the afternoon, so there could be actually some times where it might get a little bit sunny out. Uh, and the good news is, is that when I looked at this yesterday, uh, they said that the wind speeds could be 15 to 20 miles per hour, uh, which would definitely have an effect on the game, and, and it could have an effect on quarterback Drake May. Well, now they're saying that the winds were are expected to be around 5 to 10 miles per hour. So it won't be that bad. There could still be some gusts uh, that could come through. But at the same time, the one thing to note about this is that you never know exactly what is going to happen. Uh, as of right now, the hurricane is back over open water. It's actually back into the Atlantic. So it uh, could pick up strength. It uh, could slow down when it hits land as well. So uh, it really is unpredictable. But as of right now, it's looking like this is going to be 
uh, much better uh, than originally expected. And uh, in terms of what it would be like compared to the hurricane that Carolina played uh, against Virginia Tech, oddly enough, in back in 2016, uh, this one is not even going to remotely compare. Um, Hurricane Matthew at that time uh, was slamming the uh, North Carolina coast. Um, and this one will will get close. It'll get to the South Carolina coast. But uh, this one, because it's coming up through South Carolina, will definitely not be as bad. Remember that with Hurricane Matthew the night before, uh, it had dumped about nine inches of rain in Raleigh. It was still raining. It was still extremely windy. I mean, we, you know, of course, we set up higher, so it was probably a lot worse where we sat at the game. Um, but I would say it would probably, I mean, what, 15, 20 miles per hour consistent winds, and Gus may have been even a little bit higher than that? Yeah, something like that. Uh, thanks for all that weather breakdown, by the way. Meteorologist Pagnata. Well, okay. I was start, I was wondering why you were talking like you know so much about the weather, but like most meteorologists, you're often wrong, and so this is another career path for you if the sports broadcasting podcast hosting wow, you just thing took, goes, goes south. You just took a shot at me <laughs> and at weather people. What do you got against weather people? Come on. You you cannot be one of these people that honestly thinks, well, the weatherman is wrong about 70% of the time. They get paid a lot of money stop, to deliver a lot of infactual information. Man, shut up. That is, come on. These people put a ton of work into that. Hell, they, they go to more legitimate school than we go to for that. To then still give us all the information off of models that are built by somebody else okay that well no first of all that's not true people that build the models also have to go to meteorology school. But i'm saying the, second the, the weather that they report okay it's not even their own data it's, it's from a model from a different agency so, the stuff that we talk about on here isn't our own data actually i break my own news sometimes how well i told you a story about 35 points on one leg well that's just, first of all that you want to talk about liars that you got one right there so yeah, this is a this is the hypocrisy segment. Oh, I see how that's. <laughs> also, by the way, can I admit this? Um, I am one of these people that during the hurricane events, I I am a Weather Channel watcher. That's about the only time that I watch the Weather Channel. Other than that, I don't really watch the Weather Channel. Very, very I mean, very rare unless it's like a really bad storm in our area and the local news isn't covering it, or I'm just bored of the local news. But during the hurricane stuff, I do I do watch the Weather Channel. Is that uh, am I an old man for that? No, move? you're just you need to reevaluate your priorities in life because the Weather Channel is just the weather form of the of the political channels where they use propaganda and stuff. Oh my god! Oh. To make you overreact, get the hell out and, of here. and 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 buy into all the fear and the hype around. And look, this storm has been very deadly. Okay, I but, yeah, I'm gonna stop you right there because you know, this could go down a really <laughs> bad path, <laughs> folks. The Weather Channel is uh, most the most uh, trusted American news source. They say it every time. They come back from break. They could not be lying. Uh, no, but seriously, those people are uh, are crazy. They've been doing uh, insane coverage there, and I think there are a couple of uh, Tar Heel alums that are on the Weather Channel. I believe so. Um, but anyways, it's looking like it's going to be pretty good. Now, I did I did want to throw this out there because I got an interesting comment on Facebook, um, and this person had a legitimate point. I thought. Um, you know, should this game be played? Because the state of North Carolina has declared a state of emergency uh, for this weekend. So I think that is certainly an interesting aspect of it. They are in a state of emergency. They are asking people to stay off the roads. And you are going to have people that are driving from long distances to come to the game. Or even if it's not long distances, we don't know how the effects are going to be even closer to Chapel Hill. So are, are you – do you – think this game should be played on Saturday? Yeah, I don't see why not. As long as it's safe to get Virginia Tech there and back home safely and and it's going to be a safe playing condition like your uh, your in-depth report was telling us where it's going to be clear in the afternoon with just, you know, normal winds. Well, yeah. and that could change. Of course, that could change. That's the one thing that you never know. But, uh, yeah, no, I think here's the thing. Will the game happen? Yes. No doubt in my mind that it's going to happen because, again, look at the example from 2016. Much worse weather conditions 
and they still played the game. Um, now, there are going to be probably similar circumstances on the way back. You will have some people that will probably be driving through pretty bad weather to get back home. I, honestly, to be to be honest, the concern will be more of the people that are trying to get there earlier in the morning. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I, I think I and get it. But here's the thing. There was a state of emergency back in 2016, and they didn't care. There have been state of emergencies before that most workplaces still have you come in it's unfortunate, and honestly, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense why you're what, what the state of emergency really means. It doesn't really mean much, apparently, if you're able to still go out and do events like this. But um, I, I thought that was an interesting point, and I thought it was certainly worth discussing. Well, now let's go on the field. Let's talk about what is going to happen uh, in this game. And the Tar Heels are looking for their first back-to-back home wins over Virginia Tech since 19. 19- 38. Now, Carolina did have a long stretch where they did not play Virginia Tech outside of a Gator Bowl appearance in the 90s um, and before they got into the conference. So they're, it's not like they have played for all of this time dating back to 1938. But uh, since Virginia Tech has come back into the conference in 2004, Carolina has not had a ton of success against them. The Tar Heels have won just four of the 18 meetings with the Hokies since they re-entered the conference, two in Chapel Hill and two in Blacksburg. Of course, they lost last year's season opener in Blacksburg, 17-10. to You know that'll be on the minds of a lot of the Tar Heel players in that locker room on Saturday. And Carolina did win their last meeting in Chapel Hill back in 2020, 56-45. All you need to know about Virginia Tech presented by Raycon Wireless Earbuds. Let's run through some of the stuff that you need to know about this Hokies football team. Of course, most of you guys will remember that they started the Brent Pry era uh, on the road at Old Dominion on the Friday of week one and lost to Old Dominion. Uh, It just, uh, I mean, that was one of those losses that I think had a lot of people scratching their heads. Uh, especially with the fact that Old Dominion was not expected to be one of the better teams in the Sun Belt, although I think they're playing a little bit better than some people expected as well. But they followed that up with a win over Boston College that a lot of people thought was a quality one. And then a little bit of a rough outing against Wofford uh, offensively, but still really just dominated them and didn't have much trouble with them. But they turned around and then got embarrassed on Thursday night of last week against West Virginia. Now, the thing to note about that game is not only that they got demolished in that game, but that they have had nine days to prepare for this game. They're going to come in with the rest advantage over Carolina. Uh, Offensively, this is not a good football team. But guess what? Neither was Notre Dame. They're a better team than Notre Dame was offensively. They are averaging 330 yards of total offense. Remember, Notre Dame came in averaging 300.3 yards of total offense. Now, the area that they are worse is their rushing offense. They were completely shut down uh, against uh, West Virginia. They ran for just 35 yards on 18 carries. So uh, this is a a rushing offense that I think uh, if Carolina is going to have any hope, This would be the rushing offense to get it going against, uh, just averaging 112 yards per game. Grant Wells, also the starting quarterback, has struggled so far this year. He's only thrown for 844 yards in four games. Remember that at Marshall, he had a couple of 400-yard passing games where he really lit it up, and that was part of the allure with bringing him in. He also has a 5-5 to touchdown to interception ratio at this point of the season, so he's had trouble hanging on to the football. Uh, that's something that Carolina is going to have to exploit. Uh, the running game is is solid. They've got some good names in there, but it's guys that, as I mentioned, they're coming off their worst performance of the season. Keyshawn King, who had just four yards on six carries in that game against West Virginia, and Jalen Holston. Uh, big difference between the two of them. Keyshawn King, 6.2 yards per carry so far this year. Jalen Holston struggling a lot more, and he's the guy that they were hoping would be their lead guy in that backfield at just 3.2 yards uh, per carry. Meanwhile, Caleb Smith, uh, a wide receiver, definitely a name to watch. 15.5 yards per catch so far this year, two touchdowns. He had a good game uh, against West Virginia. Meanwhile, I think the biggest concern really on this entire offense for Carolina will be the tight end duo. That's the one they're going to have to watch. 
Nick Gallo so far this season leading them in receptions with 17 on the year. And Connor Blumrick, also a guy that they like to go to a lot. We were talking to uh, one of our guys here, Kyle Bailey, who is a big-time Virginia Tech guy, and he said one of the things they were most frustrated with in the last game against West Virginia was that they didn't use Blumrick enough. And Carolina's coming off a game where they really struggled to defend the tight end. So watch that matchup. That could be huge. Offensive line hasn't been great, as you notice by the run numbers, but uh, still a group that's pretty veteran. Caden Moore's extremely experienced at guard. Uh, Johnny Jordan at center uh, is another guy that has 20-plus starts under his belt. And same thing with Silas Zanzi. Uh, so that th- this is still a unit that is strong. And honestly, it's very, very similar to the unit that we saw a week ago from Notre Dame. Veteran, talented guys, but off to a slow start to the season. So uh, not the greatest recipe for the Tar Heels uh, in this one. Defensively, this is without a doubt the best team that Carolina will have played so far this year. And look, part of it is, one, they have not played some of the greatest offenses. Old Dominion's offense was terrible. The only reason they really won that game was because they got great field position. Wofford's offense, very, very run-heavy and, frankly, not all that good. We saw that Wofford offense last year, um, and that was a team that was struggling and looks like they're still going through similar issues now. Uh, But this is a defense that is only giving up 256 yards per game, 170 passing yards per game, and just 86 rushing yards per game. Believe it or not, that is only 16th in the country. There are uh, 15 other teams that are allowing less rushing yards per game. Meanwhile, Carolina on the complete opposite end of that spectrum. Uh, The defensive front, pretty loaded for this group. Uh, Extremely talented again this year, uh, and it's really starting to pick up on the edges. That was an area that uh, was a little bit quiet for them in recent years, but they got Taiwan Garbett and C.J. McCray out there uh, that are going to be problems for Carolina. Meanwhile, Dax Hollifield's the name that everybody knows in the middle of this defense. He, of course, had some pointed comments uh, in his press conference the other day. What else would you expect from Dax Hollifield, a guy that uh, apparently he hates Carolina? Not really sure why, but it is what it is. Uh, I think he's one that Carolina is going to have to eliminate, though, to have any chance of winning this game. Meanwhile... In the secondary, still seems like a pretty a pretty good strength of this team. Maybe not as strong as some of those ones back in the Frank Beamer days, but still, you've got a really talented corner in Dorian Armstrong on the outside. Also, Armani, uh, Armani Chapman opposite of him, uh, also pretty talented. And then uh, Chamorie Connor is the safety to keep an eye on in this game. Special teams, uh, pretty solid overall unit, although they did have to replace a couple of guys from last year. So that is your look at the Virginia Tech Hokies and all you need to know about them heading into this matchup. And as I mentioned, it is presented by Raycon Wireless Earbuds. Hey guys, lately I've been listening to a lot of the games on my Raycon Wireless Earbuds and it has been tremendous. I love listening to the games on there uh, because it, it really is a great overall experience mainly because, one, Raycons give you eight hours of playtime and 32-hour battery life, so I never have to worry about them dying on me. And two, they have optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit. They look, feel, and sound better than ever, and they will not budge. Trust me, that's the thing that I like the most about them because I have to wear headphones at my other job. I have to wear them over there, but it works perfect. I can hear out of the one ear what I need to be listening to, and I have that in the other ear so I can listen to the game. It also uh, allows me to keep an eye on the big plays during the game, and I will have to do it yet again this weekend. Charlotte FC is back at home close to the end of that season, so I won't need them then. I'll still use my Raycom wireless earbuds, though, to listen to everything else and you guys should too because Raycons are priced just right you get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands it's no wonder Raycons everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews that's right 50,000 guys it tells you that this product works uh look I the things that I like the most about them uh, first of all, they have three customizable sound profiles. So if I like to listen to my podcast on one level, but my music on another level along with my games, I can set it to where all three of those have different settings. So when I'm in that mode, it automatically sets those for me, and I don't have to worry at all about 
the game being too loud or uh, when my music is on being too low. It's perfect for those types of situations. It also has the noise isolation, and it's amazing because they are earbuds. So you would think eh, a little bit of sound is going to get in. They're not quite uh, like the headphones that you have to put over your ears that kind of block everything out. These do. Even as earbuds, it's tremendous. So make sure that you guys are getting these. Go to Raycon.com or go to buyraycon.com today and use code TPPN15 to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's code TPPN15 at buyraycon.com to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com, code TPPN15. All right, let's talk about some of the Tar Heel storylines in this game. And I think, first of all, we have to talk about the weather conditions, and they certainly will play a factor into this game. Now, the thing is, it doesn't look like these conditions are going to be as bad as we thought they might be even earlier in the week. So I think the biggest question is, how much should the weather play into your game plan if you're Phil Longo? Mainly. Defensively, I don't really think there's a ton that you can do. you got to react to what Virginia Tech's doing. Yeah, I mean, look, I think it'll play some of a factor depending on how windy it is. It might be a lot harder to run the foot or to, to throw the football. So you should probably come in with a with a game plan designed to establish your running game, which should still be your game plan. Whether if you were playing in you know sunny you know sunny uh, sunny skies and seventy five degree weather, because we saw what the inability of being able to run the football last week did to you against Notre Dame. So. You know, I think the biggest difference uh, between, you know, this and the last time that that Carolina played in in, in this type of scenario is that you're on turf, which means that the field will drain a lot better than it did back in 16 when we you played in in, in the remnants of, of that hurricane, but you, you know, if if anything, I think it it helps it helps Carolina focus and reinforce the things they need to to get better at doing, which is being a run first team because Last week, once Notre Dame really took away the run, it really impacted the passing game, and that's a big reason why things got a hand really quick there in the middle part of that second quarter into the second half. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think the one concern would probably be with the turf, uh, guys slipping in the open field. It's it's definitely a more slippery surface than it is on grass. Uh, it's harder to sort of plant your feet in the ground uh, when it has rain, so I think that'll be interesting. But other than that... I don't really think there's going to be much. And and this was the thing. I think the biggest concern was not even really the rain and, and, unless it was like a torrential downpour, like what you saw at the end of the pit game last year, something like that. The concern was the wind because when you do throw the ball, especially if you're trying to throw the ball downfield, uh, we saw it. I mean, we saw it in the game back in 2016. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, I mean, he had his worst passing day of the year by far. Remember, he actually came into that game having not thrown an interception. He threw for 58 yards and two interceptions in that game. Now, part of that was Carolina had him throw the ball 33 times. Thank you very much, Larry. But uh, I, I still think – I'm with you. I think there will be a slight effect. Um, I think it also depends on what exactly is – it, is it still raining? Is it raining hard? Um, when the game starts, all that kind of stuff. But uh, I don't think it is going to completely change the way Carolina is going to have to play uh, like they would have if, let's say, this storm. I mean, if they were playing this probably tomorrow night on the day of recording, we're, we're on Thursday here. But if they were playing this game on Friday night, I think you would probably see an extremely run-heavy game because it's supposed to be a lot worse. Um, but I, I think they'll be all right. Um, the other one, regard the other thing is though, regardless of the weather, I think this team has to be able to run the ball consistently. One of the biggest problems that I think they've had out of the gate so far this year is look. If you look at the numbers, Carolina's running game looks really, really solid, especially to go along with that passing game. But the problem is, is that look at the last three games that Carolina has played. Uh, Actually, I would subtract the Notre Dame game because he only ran for 66 yards. But even against Georgia State and App State, Carolina's run game was pretty much based on a long run at the end of the third quarter 
and what you did in the fourth quarter on the ground. They have to get off to better starts, and they need to be able to run the ball more consistently. It can't be, as Mac Brown said in his press conference the other day, it can't be one yard, two yards, and then a 30-yard play. It has to be more like five yards, seven yards, and then the 30-yard play. Well, for that to happen, though, you you still got to stay committed to the run, and that's something that through the first three games – Phil Longo was doing. Now, granted, circumstances were different. For the most part, you were playing, you know, ahead with the lead. But I and I think the reason why he ditched it last week was once things went south for the defense, I think he just felt like they had to score every time they touched it. Yep. You've got a prolific quarterback in Drake May. You've got Josh Downs back. You've got playmakers. But the second that the passing game got out of rhythm, you know, this offense just completely could just completely broke down. There's nothing wrong with those gains being one or two yards in the first half. What you're banking on is in the second half, those becoming four to six yard gains to then eight to 12 yard gains. And then you're breaking off, you know, those big runs. And so it's really about staying committed. But you can, you know, you can do that if, if your defense doesn't, you know, suck, you know, for an entire quarter like it did against Notre Dame. So um, I think you'll see them try to get back to that. But, yep. you know, if, if this game. If this game feels like a track meet, he's going to throw the ball. And I think that's just something that that's his M.O. because he's been our offensive coordinator for four years. Most of the wins have been in track meets because we haven't stopped anybody. And that's just who he is. And when you got a guy like, that he trusts as much as he trusts Drake May and he's got as many weapons that you have at the wide receiver and the tight end spot, you could see why he'd, he'd much rather just say, hey, work some there and throw it 40 times. Well, I think it – I think it kind of depends. I get what you're saying. I think that's definitely part of what he has done in the past with the gets into a track meet, starts passing. I will say this, though. There have been a couple of games that have been track meets where he does run it, but it's like we saw last year. But really, both games that they've played uh, in recent years against Wake Forest that they won. And I, even last year, a bit against Virginia in that game that they won in Keenan. Uh, you have to be able to run the ball immediately. It has to be extremely successful right out of the gate. It is not, hey, we're off to a slow start. If they get off to a slow start running the ball, you're right, completely goes away from it if he knows he has to score points. But if he can get the run going early, even if they do have to get into a track meet, he will still use that running game. And I think you're right. That's one of the things we've kind of talked about with him before, that he has to stick with it. Um, but I think, to his credit, he stuck with it in the game against App State, and it worked. Uh, he didn't do that last week, although I guess when you're down by 24, it's a little bit different than when you're down uh, even 14 in the first half against App State. So I, I guess that's probably why uh, that was the case. Um, another one, you know, something that I noticed last week when we were at the game, this offense looked very, very similar to the one that we saw a year ago which was the passing offense, I should say, um, which was when they when, when they had success throwing the football, it was purely on big plays. Um, you saw Drake May, I'm not going to say lock in on guys. He still spread the ball around at a, at a decent level. He still got it to J.J. Jones. He had a couple of targets that went to the tight ends. Um, that were some of them that were dropped, uh, and same thing with Gavin Blackwell, who got a couple of targets. But really, you saw him starting to focus on Antoine Green and on Josh Downs. And look, that's fine; those guys are your go-to receivers. There's no doubt about it. There's a reason that they were as highly touted as they were coming into the year. But my thing is, is that Carolina has to get back to spreading the ball around to other receivers. They need to do it at a high rate. And the other thing that they need to do in this game that sort of culminates with this one is what can Carolina do with their tight ends? First three games of the year, Carolina's tight ends had over 350 yards receiving and were tremendous, were huge targets for Drake May. They didn't do anything in the game against Notre Dame. They had three catches for 30 yards on seven targets. Carolina's got to get the tight ends involved, and they have to spread the football around. Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at the way Notre Dame beat you and the way they used their tight ends, you got to start figuring out ways to get your multitude of guys involved like that, creating mismatches across the middle of the field. Nobody's going to leave our tight ends that wide open. You know, but I mean, look, there was also drops on the field at times last week from this tight end group, so... 
you know, look, I think we we should have anticipated the tight end production going down with the with the return of Josh Downs, the return of Antoine Green, and the emergence of guys like Kobe Paysauer, JJ JJ Jones, and Gavin Blackwell at times to where you know there's a lot more confidence in those wide receivers to get them the football. But I I I told you all summer and even the beginning of the season that. This next step for this offense was getting its tight ends more involved in the passing attack. They've they've all been rather adequate blockers during their time, but we need to use them in the passing game. Last week, you went away from it, and look at the, look at the result of your passing game. It wasn't as as efficient, so um, you, you're going to have to be able to create mismatches with those linebackers because Bryson Evans is more than capable of, but it's something that Phil Longo's got to be committed to doing for four quarters. Well, then let's go, you know, down into the trenches. I think this is going to be another big test for Carolina down there. Probably their stiffest test of the year because this defensive line, the defensive line that Carolina played last week, definitely a good one, one that got after the quarterback. Uh, but this is one. This is a group that even the last couple of years, when they haven't been as talented as Virginia Tech fans have wanted, this defensive line group has always given Carolina trouble and this year's group is just as talented. Carolina's offensive line has to be prepared for a bounce-back performance. It wasn't that they were terrible the other day against Notre Dame, but they still allowed way too much pressure, especially Ed Montalas and uh, Spencer Rolland. And they, they, as I mentioned earlier, part of it is that the running game has to get going. You know, the running backs have to be better at hitting their holes. There was definitely a lot of hesitancy, but this offensive line has to be able to move people up front. So it's, it's a very important game for this unit. I think we're going to really learn this week how much of an impact Jack McNell Jr.'s had on this group because this is the first time they are, they're facing adversity because you know, they, didn't, they didn't play well last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, all five offensive linemen graded you know, 65 or lower. You had two guys in the 40s for their offensive grade, according to Pro Football Focus. Not very good. You're coming back. You're back at home. But in comes another very good, if not better, defensive line. So we're really going to find out, are they capable of making adjustments and responding? That was the biggest issue we we really had under Stacey Searles. There would be times where the offensive line would rise to the occasion. Last year at Notre Dame, they played one of their best games of the entire year. But whenever they struggled and they had to come back and bounce back, they didn't always do it. And so now that's the challenge this week is to to come back and, and, and bounce back and play the way you're capable of playing and being able to – they're not going to dominate this defensive line. Asking them to dominate is asking them too much. Yep. But can they hold their own? Yes. Can they impose their will at times? Absolutely, because they're going to need to if Carolina wants to win the ballgame. Well, one thing I think also they have to do is they have to protect Drake May early in the game. Let him settle into the game. Because I thought one of the things that Notre Dame did really well last week was they got the pressure on Drake May early, and you saw a guy that started getting a little bit of happy feet in the pocket, started to sort of you know shorten that clock in his head and tuck the ball a little bit earlier. Carolina has got to be able to eliminate that this week and give their quarterback time. Because as we've seen, when they give him time, he's going to be able to make those throws and make them pretty comfortably. So I think they're more than capable of doing that. By the way, uh, that wraps it up for the Tar Heel storylines. Are you wondering where the defensive storylines are? Nope. They don't exist. We're, we're not talking about this defense until they prove something. Because here's the thing. Do we have any sort of ideas on solutions to how this defense gets better? We've thrown them out there for four weeks, five weeks, to be honest with you. I've, I've, got, I've got nothing else. So at this point, it's really just go play and be better because we've tried to throw out solutions and there's really nothing there. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think I said it the other week. You're really not going to see changes defensively until you get better players and better coaches and maybe your head coach to hold them accountable better better leaders on the field too um yep. so yeah i mean look we we know what this defense is it's not a good defense and i think we expect to see another poor defensive showing on saturday all right well something that is good is DraftKings and the deals that you can get from them we're going to tell you about those here in this break a couple other things as well 
And then uh, when we come back on this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast, it's time for keys to the game and our predictions for the game against Virginia Tech. Do me and Josh still have faith in this Tar Heel football team? Stick around for that. He, back right after this to the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings Step It Up Same Game Parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100% with bigger payouts than ever. Why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. There are plenty of ways to find out everything that you need to know about Tar Heel football and basketball. Just go to Facebook, search at Heel Tough Blog, and find the Heel Tough Blog Facebook page and like it. When you do everything, the articles, the podcast, all in one central location on your timeline. Not a big Facebook user? Head over to Twitter. At Heel Tough Blog on Twitter, make sure you give it a follow, and you can follow the personal pages of our talents here at the Heel Tough Blog, at HTB Anthony for Anthony Pagnata, myself at HTB underscore Josh for Josh Marlowe, and at Hack Zubber two for our recruiting analyst Zach Hubbard. Hey guys, welcome back in Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Anthony Pagnata, Josh Marlowe with you. And let's get into it. Keys to the game. Uh, first of all, I, I said I, we said this last week, and it didn't work. But I think two very similar teams, and it seems kind of cliche that you go right back to this and say, honestly, it's the most important key again. But I think there is no way that Carolina wins this game if they do not win the line of scrimmage. Another physical team up front, in order to come out with the win, they've got to win starting up front. Yeah, I mean, look, these are the types of games that 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 that, that are really going to determine if you're a coastal contender or not. There are some teams in this conference you can outscore and out finesse. Um Georgia Tech, Duke in recent years, we'll learn more about Duke as the ACC season moves along, but Virginia Tech isn't one of them because even though this program's been down for a couple of years, they've still got their fair share of dudes. They're not afraid to be physical, so you cannot you cannot beat them by finessing them. You've got to physically beat them and on both sides of the ball. And we know that this is a very good defensive line, but this is an offensive line that is that has struggled, you know, to, to create running lanes. This isn't an offense that, that's gonna, you know, that isn't built to beat you through the air. So if the defensive line brings its jock strap, they can really impact the game, but I don't think we anticipate that to happen, so the pressure is more on the offensive line to bounce back because if they get beat up front again like they did last week against Notre Dame, when we come back on Monday, there'll be more yelling and complaining because we'll be talking about a a second straight home loss as opposed to a victory. I mean, there could be that even after a win. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's always part of it. Uh, Number two, I think, is run the football successfully. Um, And you've got to do it, as I mentioned, When I say successfully, I mean you've got to be able to run the ball consistently. I want more of those early down four, five-yard gains, not one, two yards and then hit a home run play that makes you look like you ran the ball extremely well. I want to see it be more consistent. And part of that starts with what we just talked about. But the other thing is you've got to see some of these young running backs be a little more decisive um, and you got to, honestly, it's on Phil Longo as well to get creative with how he is running these backs. Uh, but you got to ha- be able to run the ball successfully in this game if you want to win. Yeah, I think this is a game where you're probably targeting Carolina to rush for 150, 175 yards if, if you really want to be able to impact the game 
with with your ground game. And they, I mean, West get, Virginia ran the ball for over 200 against them, including a, a converted tight end at running back. So it's, and their offensive coordinator is Graham Harrell, who was former Texas Tech quarterback, who threw for like 600 yards every week. So running the football wasn't something he did. A- he air, I I think are they they might be an air raid offense, and they still ran for as many yards as they did. So oh yeah, yeah I don't know. So I mean, look, I think the good news is is that Carolina. You've got the talent. You've got the depth. You know, it starts with the offensive line winning up front. Even if you got to use Drake May in the running game, as long as he's sliding and avoiding hits, you've got to be able to move the ball in different ways as opposed to just pushing the ball down the field because Brent Pry's defense will be able to take that away as the game moves along. Well, yeah, and one of the things is is that we should not see Drake May leading you in carries. He did a week ago. He had 13, which was the most on the team. And I get part of that was that he was scrambling. But you want to make sure that you are limiting the amount of times that your quarterback has to get out of the pocket. He's more than capable of doing it, but he's also not a guy that is all that big. Um, and frankly, I mean, he's a guy that, that that's really not your best offense. When your running game is at its best, it's when you're using the running backs. And as you've always said, the key to Phil Longo's offense is being able to run the football. Uh, the last key that I got is score, score, and score. Um, I don't think there's any other way around this, and this will probably be a key to just about every game until this defense proves otherwise. If this team does not score in the mid-30s or higher, I don't think there is any chance that they will win this game. Yeah, I don't even really think that's an argument anymore. I, I think this is a this is a team, this is a program that for them to be successful, they've got to put 40 burgers up week in, week out. They're not They're not built to win games in the 20s. I don't even know if they're built to win games in the 30s because I don't know how many teams they're going to stop. And look, for, for the casual fan, um, it, it's, it's it's at least a fun product to watch because we all want to see points and we all want to see big plays and touchdowns and stuff like that. I'm sick of it. But I'm, I'm kind of over it. Like, it was, it was fun when Larry Fedora first got here because it was new and different because we were used to playing games in the teens and, and in the 20s, but... Sometimes I miss those days. So, yeah, even though Virginia Tech's offense sucks and their defense is fantastic, we got to push the envelope because if we don't go out there and get 38, 42, 45 points, chances are we probably, don't, we probably aren't winning. Yeah, it's a, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't say I really enjoyed those days with Larry. I was still extremely frustrated as well. Here's the thing that I want. I want to score a whole lot of points and not let up a whole lot of points. How about that? That would be a great recipe for success and one that wouldn't nearly kill me like the first uh, two games of the season uh, or for, for two of the first three games of the season, I should say, did. Florida yeah. and m didn't really do that. I really wish our defense turned away touchdowns like women turn away us on the dating apps. <sighs> Man, that would be, I mean, that, that'd be an elite group right there. I mean, seriously, like uh, we're just we're just asking you to be average. We're just asking you to be like us on dating apps, just average. Like, just I mean, we're we're what probably? Nah, we're probably like a three out of ten. Let's be honest here. I mean, we, we're not getting many swipes, but you know, that's I mean, we're just we're just asking for something right now. The Toriel defense is a one out of ten. <laughs> they got no swipes. They've never been swiped on. It's like, come on, guys, Swiper pick it no up, swiping, pick it up. Um, all right, let's get into our predictions for the game uh, as we move on from a Door of the Explorer reference, which I did not have marked down on my bingo card for this week's show. Um, I- I'll let you go first. Are you are you keeping are, are you having faith? So at like, this point, as frustrating as this week has been, I've heard multiple times from people they are three and one. Yeah. So um, and look, the, the frustration's been brought out on a podcast. On the radio show that you produce, the radio show that I produce, we I both went it, on illicit rants. I uh, I sat down with my parents and gave them a 15 minute filibuster about how the Tar Heel defense is terrible. That also happened earlier this week. So I'm really sorry for the Pagnata household. Yep. As and so look, we both taken out our frustration. They are three and one, but here's the thing: it's not just the three and one. Everything that they want to do is still ahead of them. There we go. And there we go. Get that coach beat going. And and that, that come on. That that was the message. That's what Mac Brown told him. And that should be the message because was our season goal to beat Notre Dame? It was a goal. 
it was a bold prediction of of mine. But that 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 one game should not make or break your season. But this game very well could. Yes. If you come back and you respond, and you beat a team that you are more than capable of beating, and you should beat. Yep. Then you know, no matter how it looks, as long as you win, we'll move forward. If you come out and you lose, and you lose in the same manner you lost to Notre Dame the week before, or this looks like home losses last year to to Florida State or something like that, the questions that we started asking this week will only continue to get asked, and the pressure will only get to ramp up, and you probably start wondering if this is going to be another lost season. So I'm going to pick them. Because the one thing that they have that Virginia Tech doesn't isn't just a quarterback. They've got an elite quarterback. That's what Drake May is. Through four games, there's enough of a sample size to say he's elite. Yeah, he's pretty good. And, and and I think this game will be a game that Carolina has to make a play or two late. I trust my guy over their guy. Give me the heels. Okay. 38-28 in Keenan Stadium. Ooh, man, holding them to 28. What a bold prediction that is right there. Um, yeah, no, I'm 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 with you. Um I'll go with the good. I'll go with the same thing. All your goals are still ahead of you. You can still make the ACC championship game. Mac Brown used that one the other day as well. Um, yeah, we're gonna coach speak it up just a little bit here. But in all seriousness, look, yeah, it is just one loss, and there's no doubt about that. And to me, the loss itself wasn't what was most concerning. The comments after the game that were basically trying to act like everything was fine, that there was really nothing to see there, that was what was more concerning to me. But look, I'm going to put that behind me. And look, this group had a players only meeting defensively. I don't really know if that's going to do anything. I really don't. I hope it does. I really hope it wakes some of these guys up in that room. I really hope that they did have a heart-to-heart. And as Ray Voasik said, some guys you know, sort of looked at themselves and said, I'm not holding up my end of the bargain. I'm pointing too many fingers, stuff like that. I just, I, I don't, I don't know. But I'm with you. I'm going to pick the Tar Heels because I think this offense is that good, and I'm hoping that they're going to rebound. Look, did they play bad the other day? No, but did they play the way that they were supposed to? I don't think so. I know that they only turned the ball over once. Meanwhile, they turned the ball over three times in the game against Georgia State. But I thought the other day was their worst performance of the season offensively. There was just no consistency moving the football. Things melted down way too quickly. And part of that, I think, was because of the offensive line. I think Carolina will rebound offensively, and that's what give, what gives me confidence in this game. I think this one could be an ugly one in terms of what you see out on the field. I don't think you're going to leave this game thrilled with what you see defensively from Carolina. But I do think the Tarios have just enough to win. I think this game is honestly very similar to the game that you saw last year against Miami at home. I like Carolina 45-42 over Virginia Tech. Uh, and I think they, they get that big win. You probably won't uh, leave Keenan Stadium feeling confident. But at 4-1, and one, there's still a chance that Carolina in this unbelievably chaotic coastal outside of maybe Pittsburgh at the top has a chance to still be in that hunt uh, for the division at the end of the season. And as you mentioned, I think this is one of the things what we can, in my mind, we are both kind of on the same wavelength with this one. This is about as important of a game as it gets. And it's almost not even what you see on the field. Look, if you come out and perform as bad as you did against Notre Dame on the field, that's going to be really, really hard to stomach, no doubt about it. But if it's the same narrative in the postgame as well, I think that's when we're really going to start drawing comparisons, even though, as I heard uh, listening to you talk about it on the air the other day here at WFNZ in Charlotte, I think that even though the record isn't going to be as bad as Larry Fedora's in 2018, it will start to draw similar comparisons in what the mindset is around the team and in terms of just the thoughts of Zach Brown and, and what he's feeling about his team, really the fact that he would be in denial at yeah. that point. So this is a huge one for Carolina, but both me and Josh 
have Carolina winning this game. And we will have you covered on the website, HeelToughBlog.com. We'll have a preview up there for you guys to check out, which will break down everything that you need to know about the game. I will also put in the latest weather update. That's right. I'll put on my weatherman hat one more time uh, to give you uh, that sort of preview there. And, of course, uh, people will probably be all over social media telling you what it's going to look like as well. I'll also put that on there the day of the game for you folks that will be traveling. And that is one of the other things that we do want to stress. If you are a listener and you are going to the game, please, please be safe when going to the game um, we 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 drove in it back in 2016, and it was no joke. It was it was extremely tough to drive through. There's it no was a doubt. joke for you. For me, I'd already driven through the hurricane on the way home. Shut up! So. Shut up! You know what? <laughs> I am I am done with this crap on this podcast. You are a liar. No, you I'm set, not. I drove you, through the same hurricane from Charleston. Back to Charlotte to that's come a, home. That's to work to to go to that game. Okay, I drove further than you did. Charl- Charleston is a three and a half hour drive. No, it is not. You drove. It is in the hurricane. You drove to your no, no. That's right. You drove to Charlotte. That's right because you couldn't drive to your mom's house, which was closer to Charleston, an hour closer to Charleston. But still, conditions I drove in were worse. Whatever. Um. But either way, we do encourage you guys. Please be safe on the roads. Follow any of the instructions that they're, of course, telling you uh, out on the roadways, everything like that. Uh, But we will have you covered with all that stuff. We'll also have keys to the game before the game starts on the day of the game. Uh, We will have those. And then we will circle around and do all the stuff that we normally do. The recap, stock report, trench report, Ashton's analysis, and then he'll have you on the back end with the press conference takeaways when Mac Brown does meet with the media to recap the game on Monday. So that is going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank Josh for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Hey guys, Anthony here. We want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast, find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings, and the subscribing, that is for you, so you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog podcast family moving forward, and thank you once again for listening to this edition.